The Last of Us Part 2 debuted to rave reviews and in a CNET exclusive. Sony revealed that it sold a record-breaking 4 million copies in its first few days. But the game has had its share of controversy. Warning, we'll be getting into spoilers. I'm Roger Chang and this is your Daily Charge. With me is CNET Editor-at-Large and gaming enthusiast Ian Schur. Thanks for joining me, Ian. Uh, thanks for having me. All right, so you're, uh, if you're not a PlayStation owner, you probably don't really know what The Last of Us is, but it's it's this fairly well-regarded epic game, no, now series. Uh, it, for our listeners who, who don't know what this is, can you kind of run through what it's all about and what the hype is about? Yeah, The Last of Us came out, the original came out in 2013. And right as kind of the whole zombie wave of of entertainment was really kicking into high gear. I mean, this is when uh, we had the Walking Dead was just really huge on television and in the comics. There were games being made, all sorts of stuff. So The Last of Us was really an attempt to take that type of story and elevate it. And a lot of it was by creating this very human drama about what it's like to survive in a post-apocalyptic world. And uh, as is with The Walking Dead, the story is really about how bad human beings can be to one another, not so much how bad the monsters are. But the gameplay was rather thrilling. The story was uh, very well told, and it is widely regarded to be one of the best games ever made. Uh, And the sequel, if you go by the Metacritic scores, is uh, equally getting that kind of hype. Yeah, so let's talk about this record. What does it mean to sell 4 million copies in the first few days? Well, this makes it one of the best-selling PlayStation games ever. It makes it one of... Uh, Sony's best-selling games ever. And it underscores how, despite a lot of the internet hate, which we're going to get into a second, uh, really, this game was able to get through to customers and succeed. Uh, This number is sell-through, which means it includes when people returned it or canceled their pre-orders. And, you know, for us... It's really fascinating because it's a study in a lot of ways of what internet internet hate looks like in the modern age and how backlash to entertainment plays out. And we've seen this a number of times. There was Captain Marvel, where there was a ton of internet hate. If you went on YouTube, all Captain Marvel was was a terrible movie, but it ended up making a billion dollars. It was well-reviewed. It may not have been the best Marvel film ever, but it was still well-received. And it underscores, I think, kind of what this this backlash culture is turning into and how much power it really has. Yeah, I mean, we've we've clearly seen that. I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog was an interesting one. You know, that was one where the backlash actually resulted in changes to the movie. But uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the the backlash. Um, and we're going to get into spoilers now. So if you are interested in playing the game, if you haven't played it or or want to kind of keep uh, keep yourself out of the story. Now would be a good time to cut off from the podcast. Check back in later, please. But yeah, talk about the backlash. Like, what what exactly is sort of the main thrust of what the complaints are? Yeah, if you read through, it's tough sometimes to see because if you uh, wade into this stuff, there's a lot of gifts of. Uh, buff woman characters and of uh, moments of uh, two women kissing and stuff that people are reacting to. And uh, 
if you kind of push past that and, you know, what I would consider the playground complaints, uh, what you get into is debate about the story itself. Um, there's a number of people who are upset that the main character from the first game, Joel, uh, this this kind of grizzled smuggler character who uh, takes on Ellie, this teenager who uh, is actually immune from the disease that's spreading across the world and turning people into monsters. Um, he's supposed to take her across the country to a doctor who might be able to create a cure. And uh, in the process, they become very close. He ends up actually killing the doctor when he finds out that uh, the process of creating a cure would would kill her. It would require parts of her brain. So we find out in the second film, uh, second game, not film, uh, Joel gets killed uh, very quickly. And a lot of the marketing suggested that he was in the game quite a bit. And he is, by the way, um, in a lot of flashbacks and everything. But it, people feel kind of like they were lied to. Uh, secondarily, the antagonist of the game, at least in the beginning, this, this girl named Abby, ends up becoming someone you play as as well for half the game. So, um, and this is not suggested almost at all in the marketing material. So there's this kind of pushback on the idea that the Sony wasn't entirely honest with everyone in its marketing and whatnot. But, you know, again, it's surrounded by a lot of this kind of making fun of the fact that Abby, the antagonist, is a very buff woman and this kind of reaction to the homosexual scenes and everything. And so it's it's hard to take seriously sometimes because it's um, there's a lot of toxicity surrounding it. Yeah, this has resulted in, you know, the review bombing, this practice. I don't know if you could talk a little bit about that, like the, because it's, you mentioned the Metacritic score is extremely high. I think the, the score for, for users, though, is is pretty low. And this isn't the first game that's suffered or been a victim of review bombing, but talk a little bit about that and how that works. Yeah, and it's not the first piece of entertainment to get that either. So review bombing is essentially what it sounds like, right? You're trying to tank the score and uh, really take the the voice of the people, as you would see it, and turn it on the product and also be able to kind of stick it to the reviewers who you disagree with. So this was something that became very prominent again during Captain Marvel. You might sense a theme, right? Women-focused entertainment, um, where that was actually review-bombed pretty hard and Rotten Tomatoes changed their policy to say that you can't review a game as a user, or sorry, a movie as a user, unless you can prove you went to the movies. You'd have to have a ticket stub or something. Metacritic doesn't have that rule, so as a result, we've seen a ton of people just putting zeros in there. And as a result, the uh, the user score is extremely low and the review score by the reviewers is extremely high. And this leads a lot of people on the Internet to say the reviewers are either bought and paid for, which they're not, or that the reviewers are um, not reviewing it as a product for users, but instead as a product of high art. And they feel like that the review should really be, what is it like as a gamer? Will I enjoy this? Yeah, both our site uh, and our sister site, GameSpot, you know, praised the game uh, for its sophistication, its graphics, its storyline. And you had a chance to play the game. Like, what did you think about it personally? Yeah, I just finished it last night. And I think that the story is rather interesting. Like, I, I played the original and it was 
I, I agreed with a lot of people. It's one of the best games I ever played. Uh, with the sequel, I really appreciated that it wanted to change the narrative, right? It wasn't more of the same. It wasn't more of the same and better, which is what like Assassin's Creed went through for a long time, right? Assassin's Creed was an amazing game when it came out. It was revelatory. And then Re- Assassin's Creed 2 was a level step better. It was one of the best games I'd ever played, and it was shocking how good it was. Uh, this is a game where they said, you know what, we're going to take the story and completely turn it on its head and really put a lot of effort into making you feel the emotions that the player, that the characters go through. And there's a lot of what critics would call emotional manipulation in the game, uh, including moments where you do some heinous acts that uh, I actually really tried to see how far I could go not having to do that. Uh, There are times where the game makes me kill people and animals that I don't want to, and it's uh, meant to make me uncomfortable. It's something that the director said. So... You know, it's it's been a very interesting ride. I haven't fully processed the whole game, but it's definitely one that I will be talking about for a long time because it's a very different game from anything else I've ever played. And that's commendable. And that's what they wanted to create. Yeah, and I, yeah I would be remiss without mentioning Dan Van Boom's calm looking at this game and, and, and the way he kind of describes it. A lot of what you're saying is, I think, right in line with what he said. I mean, a lot of it's... It, it's it's complex. You're doing a lot of things you don't want to do. Um, you know the the whole story with Joel, the main character, why he dies, why he's killed. Um, if you play through the entire game, there is sort of a, a full story that unveils itself that does make sense. And, and and for for gamers who have complained that you know he doesn't have a big role, he does actually have a very pivotal role in the story, even if he's not necessarily playable. Right. I mean, honestly, the the second game is really about uh, the reaction and the consequences of his decisions in the first game. Right. And it's really interesting because it plays a lot with the idea of a protagonist and an antagonist. You know, for a long time in the first game, we all see Joel as this protagonist and this this character who's, you know, taking care of Ellie and uh, protecting her and bringing her across the country and over time starting to love her like a daughter who he'd lost in the beginning of this game. And I think what's really interesting is that at the end of that game, at the end of the first game, uh, he takes her away from being the experiment to create the vaccine. And a lot of people debated whether that was a good or bad thing. And this second game very clearly makes it a bad thing. And I think that it takes away from people the opportunity to see Joel as this kind of good figure. And that's, that's again, that's really fascinating, subversive storytelling. Mm-hmm. And um, something that it, it challenges you, especially if you're very invested in the story. And I, I don't know, I really appreciated that it did that rather than just give me more, but better. No, definitely. I, I appreciate it every time a developer takes a chance on story, on the way they present these games. Because, as you know, with Assassin's Creed, too often the industry will fall into the pattern of, you know, the same but slightly better or more power-ups or more features. So, uh, I definitely like that. I was looking ahead, uh, and I know, like me, you're, you're, you're busy with two kids. There's not a lot of time to play games. But are there a couple of marquee games you're looking forward to either on PS4, PS5, or or Xbox? Or the Switch, yeah. I, I think that this year, 
um, everyone is talking about this next big game that's coming out, Cyberpunk 2077, uh, which is made by the company that made The Witcher 3, which if you know that game is uh, is widely considered to be, again, one of the best games ever made. And even the critics who hate a lot of these other games tend to point to that as one of the the best examples of a good game. Cyberpunk 2077 is set in a futuristic world. It's really interesting. Um, I'm really curious to play it. It seems like it's going to be very involved and long. So <laughs> I like The Witcher 3. I may not finish it. Um, and then there's also uh, Halo Infinite, which is coming from Microsoft. And that is, again, a really fascinating game. Um, you know, this is for a lot of people, Halo, they've been playing it for over 20 years. And it's a very meaningful story to the video game industry. It's really what created the modern video game industry as we see it. It was one of those games that did that. So I'm really curious about that. And then finally, Marvel, uh, Sony's going to come out with another game from Marvel uh, that's about uh, Miles Morales, the the mixed race Spider-Man. And I'm really, really excited about that too. I, I think uh, personally, more than anything, because I really enjoyed the first Spider-Man game that came out a couple of years ago. But um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Definitely. And we actually just got teases or some extra info on Halo and Cyberpunk 2077. We have a hands-on uh, that we'll, we'll link to in the in story. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a good time for gaming, which is handy since we're all stuck at home. What else are we going to do? So... If you have any questions for me or Ian, drop us a line at The Daily Charge on Twitter, and you can check out Ian's story, as well as all of our coverage on Spider-Man, Halo Infinite, Cyberpunk 2077, and more on CNET.com. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.